Why, hello and welcome to hello. episode number 58 of the Movie Schmovie podcast. Uh, my name is Steve, and you're also here with uh, my buddies, Ronald and John. Hello. Hello. In order, as you just heard. Yep. And uh, we're going to be talking about a lot today. We're going to be talking about we two now? new we releases. We respond to our names being spoken. That's what happens, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you're very well trained. Mm-hmm. Um, two new releases. We're going to feature one of them that we all saw. But Ronald had an opportunity to see one that John and I did not, and we're going to give him a moment to talk about that. And then towards the end of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the timing of this episode worked out really well with our feature film because Oscar nominations came out this week. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about some of the highlights, some of the snubs, and some of our, I guess, early thoughts on this year's nominees. Um, so, Ronald, why don't you kind of kick us off and let us know what you thought about this mystery film that only you saw. Okay, so the movie that I saw was <laughs> Gangster Squad. Hi. Um, so, hoy, hoy. So this is like one of our most anticipated movies. Yeah, man. I what mean, was last year, but now is right. 2013. And, and, and it turns you into Professor John Frank, apparently. Or Zoidberg. So it was um, a movie that takes place in the 1940s, <clears throat> Los Angeles. Sean Penn is Mickey Cohen, uh ruthless drug dealer uh, who basically wants to up the ante and start a numbers sort of business. And um, you kind of follow his wrongdoings. And what makes him so interesting is he's he's ruthless. No, no regard for human life. He destroys everything he touches. And um, basically, uh, one of the um, bigger, bigger uh, sort of heads of the police department in Los Angeles decides that he wants to create an off-the-book sort of squad to get rid of the people. Uh, and Nikki Cohen's organization and uh, everybody else. So they hire... They want to get rid of everybody. Everybody. They're basically wiping all, out all the city. The, all, the, all the terrible people in the city. So um, they assemble... Uh, it's led by Josh Brolin, who is uh, Sergeant uh, John O'Mara. And, and it's... it's uh, he he winds up recruiting. Actually, his wife winds up recru- recruiting Ryan Gosling, uh, Anthony Mackie, uh, Giovanni Ribisi, um, Michael Pena, and T one thousand. What the hell is his name? Robert Patrick. Yes, <laughs> incredible in that movie. By the way, does he playing T one thousand in this? He doesn't. He plays he this uh, and comes southern back southern uh, shooter that uses a. Uh, an amazing handgun and destroys people with it. But uh, the cool thing about the movie is that it, it has moxie. It has it has life. It has a lot of charismatic characters. But it falls short because that's really all it really has. And the, and the sad part is um, I think it's very heavily related to kind of the edit that took place with um, all the controversy with the Dark Knight trailer. Uh, Dark Knight shooting, I'm sorry. Um, now the third act was the part that was supposed to be the big scene with the movie theater shooting, and which all was that in stuff. the original trailer that that right. actually showed before screenings of Dark Knight. I right. think you know. So yeah. so the weird part is it it falls completely flat as if it had been written prior, and then the third act was just thrown in as it seemed to have been done. So it really was the. I mean, I know we were kind of speculating that that was the climactic moment of the film. It seems but it like it. Was. it seems like it. The, so it, what, they replaced it with a street shootout, right? Yeah, the street shootout in Chinatown. In Chinatown was pretty good, but it still felt very strange. Like it felt very like um, studioy. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, how you look at a scene. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, the follow-up, the Purple Rain that Prince did, that just seemed to take place in a studio. Like it, it didn't look like a real neighborhood. You're talking about the graffiti, uh, graffiti bridge. Yeah, well, yeah. It felt. You're talking like, about under the cherry moon. Under the cherry moon. The one that's that black one. and white. And, yes, okay. under the cherry moon. It felt very like uh, small and terrible. <laughs> uh, but the movie just like was, Prince. Yeah. Well, no, I mean he's not terrible, <laughs> but he's small. Yeah, but the standout performances by, of course, Gosling, of course, Josh Brolin was so good, mm-hmm. and Sean Penn. Sean Penn was really, really. He was. Well, it felt like Dick Tracy. He, it felt like <laughs> felt like Al Pacino. You like started four sentences there, and it all came together. <laughs> with one to... amazing ending. He was Al Pacino. <laughs> he was he was Al Pacino and Dick Tracy. Uh, Tracy, Tracy, Tracy. He was basically that. Um, 
line of the entire movie is uh, here comes Santa Claus <laughs> as, a, as a Tommy gun is being shot through. Of course. Is, yeah. yeah. Sean Penn was really good. But his, his was he good or was he just like over the top fun? It was over the top. And it felt, it felt a little uninspired. Like it, it and that may have been some of the some of what was edited out. Like it felt like his motivations for just running the city didn't feel like it was good enough to warrant the things that he did. You know what I mean? He he didn't have enough the thing that make makes every good villain good is that you can sympathize with him and see how despite the fact that he's doing ridiculous things that he justifies this in his head in a way that's reasonable, mm-hmm. like in his world. And even then it didn't seem reasonable. So um, in the, the, the way that they resolved the problem was such, such a pansy, ridiculous way. One thing that was good about it was uh, it felt very like genuine. I don't know how the, I don't know how the forties were, but I imagine mm-hmm. they, they were full of bigotry and terrible, terribleness. But one of the cool things is there were a lot of really cool, like it was a, a, a total like there was like fucking shit and <clears throat> stuff like that in it. But they were like oh, really awesome. Fu- there was curses, right? In it. Funny lines Weird. were like up. <laughs> like people would get really like upset and like Josh Brolin would say, "Why don't you go get an ice cream?" Like, like that's hilarious. Like you would say way more profound things if you got mad at somebody. But that's kind of the vibe that they were going for, like Dick Tracy ish sort of thing. Yeah, I mean it's 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 decent enough. I'd say check it out. It falls flat the third act. Like when I say fall flat, falls flat. It like feels you feel kind of dirty. Like I I waited for this amazing sort of first second act and then it just falls completely flat. But it, you know, it happened. It had to do with that shooting. So so for Ruben Fleischer, how does it stack up to like Zombieland? It doesn't. In terms of the style. and I mean, style-wise, a lot of the stuff that they showed in the trailer, they don't really even show in the movie. You know, that kind of, like, follow cam sort of thing? It's, like, shaky, mm-hmm. kind of panicked sort of look to it. That didn't happen at all. It happened, like, twice um, when he was punching somebody and was really out of context. And I thought it was going to be a lot more like <clears throat> like he was running from things and guns were being shot. Um, it, didn't, it didn't really feel... As stylized as it looked in a commercial, it really wasn't. Mm. So, yeah. So sort of a yeah, yeah. I didn't. I enjoy. I enjoyed it for the most part. Though. I'm not going to say I hated it. I really enjoyed it. But it's it's not. Third act was so terrible that it. I can't say that this was a great movie. Okay. Was, okay. <clears throat> well, we experienced that to some extent recently with Jack Reacher, where we also <clears throat> had fun, but we really couldn't say it right. was good. At so, the end. you know. So. If you're going to have a turd in your life, it may as well be one that's frozen and is not melting all over your carpet. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm not really a sure. Good, you know, you, you know, you, you know Ro- Ronald, <laughs> I would say if you're going to have a turd in your life, it's better to leave it in the toilet. <laughs> Don't worry about fr- you know freezing you, it and then putting it on the carpet. You know when you, you have you the know, forethought to say, I should probably freeze it so it doesn't melt yeah, right. you know on the carpet you like, or at least prolong the You ever walk a stage. dog you have to clean up the turds and you, you rather yeah, them be yeah. solid turds than just... The mushy ones this that kind mushy. of melt into the soil. Yeah. So okay, the, you're you're saying gangster. Okay, <laughs> so gangster squad no, 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 gangster, is what? Gangster squad, a solid turd. A says solid, Ronald James. Solid, movie solid. I think that's a that's a pull quote for the poster. <laughs> a solid turd. I think they're hard up for some pull quotes. So. Right. So third act just ruined it for me. So As all right, gangster squad. So what movie would be a runny turd? Like, what's your example of like a, a messy dog shit? Uh, that's a good. Um, Ghost Rider. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to jump in and steal the thunder, was but a, I knew you would not let me down. It was so bad. Oh, man. You didn't want to give so me the pleasure, well. Steve. No, I just, you had to take it. Yeah, I had to take it. I I, put, I, I talked that movie up. I can see. I, can <laughs> I love your ownership over this right now. It's great. His, you know what's weird? You see a person lose faith in you as a person. When you, when you start to say things that just don't make any sense, I sounded like I had a, a worm in my brain. That was, I was like, this movie's going to be great. He's going to be like, I can't believe I'll have this podcast. It was a what-the-fuck moment when we were recording. Like, <laughs> like, did fuck? I completely miscalculate who I'm starting this podcast <laughs> with? Because so, he is very excited. It was so Ghost bad. Ghostwriter 2. 
Ghost let's, let's make two. sure we clear that yeah. up. Yeah. Ghostwriter 2, the sequel. So bad. So many unanswered questions. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Ronald, Ronald obviously was very un, uneasy was, about the way it ended. Man. He needed some closure. How sh- how much shittier can Nicolas Cage get in this movie? That's what I thought. And then, it and just then you got, were just surprised by the diarrhea it, that it became. It exceeded my expectations. See, here's why I think Nicolas Cage is in an interesting <clears throat> point in his career, is that we all think that nothing he does can surprise us. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. That's, he's primed he, to do something right. truly batshit insane. Right. He should have been he should have been a big daddy and um He should have Django. at least been on the list, yeah. <laughs> Django and Jane. That would have been interesting. I would have been like, Oh, Nicholas Cage Nicholas Cage. Uh Quentin Tarantino wouldn't have been the worst accent in the film. I can confirm well, man, that right now if Nicholas Cage get was how playing bad big daddy. that accent was. <laughs> So bad. I was I was talking to some people last night who were just not Quentin Tarantino fans, mm-hmm. and they weren't they weren't like not getting it. They just were, you know, they were sort of like everything that I think we kind of like about his style, they don't like. Oh yeah, and it was just shocking to be like. Normally, if you're in a kind of conversation about movies, Quentin Tarantino, you don't feel like it's a it's a risky topic to right. say. Oh, I saw Django Unchained. It was just the it was the worst I'd seen it turn against Quentin Tarantino right. in a conversation. Wow. Was it, it made, a M Night Shyamalan level. It was that they, I was gonna. I was so just about to compare how people it to that. Get like that, like they're like, "Fuck that guy. Yeah. He should die." Why? I don't understand why he's making. That's crazy. What people are saying, you know, but they were talking about the sort of like the lack of representation of sort of real history and mm. the sort of like exploitation aspects and the fact that everything he does is just a reference to another movie. I mean, all the kind of stuff that you think is kind of fun about him right, if right. you're into it. Yeah, right. And I was like, well, you can't really defend against those allegations, but you can say, I, I don't think you missed it. I don't think you're supposed to judge yeah, these movies. Yeah. Like yeah. The, if you don't, if you don't understand the fun of kind of a, uh, uh, a grindhouse style revenge thriller about a topic that doesn't normally get that treatment, yeah. then whatever. Yeah. That, that's something that I don't want as I, as I watch more and more movies, we just consume a lot of movies, mm-hmm. us, the three of us. I just don't want to be too uppity about my taste in movies, man. I just, I, I feel like I can fall back and watch a Ghost Rider 2 or Dread or sure. something like that and not feel like, oh, this is too much for me mm-hmm. to watch this atrocious piece of trash directed by a second rate. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like I don't want to do that. Like I think, your remakes, I think right? when you're watching a lot of movies, too, <laughs> if a movie remakes. is not that great, you're, you're already moving on. You're not yeah, sitting you're, there dwelling. You're, you're, you're thinking about what you're doing next. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I'm looking forward to Gangster Squad. I still want to see yeah, it. I'm going to see out. it this weekend, and I'll uh, I'll drop my two cents a little later. Yeah, I, I did read one review uh, uh, where they said that it that Ryan Gosling and um, Gosling's particularly voice is Josh incredible. Brolin, they said that those two guys in their roles were really good. Like that they were yeah. in a that they kind of played what you were talking about that kind of fun, snappy. Uh, you, you know, you watch Boardwalk Empire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He sounds like a lot, and and that movie sounds like um, what's the name of the shaky guy with the funny laugh? Oh, uh, you know, Mickey Doyle. Is it Doyle? Doyle he sounds like just like him in the, this movie. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, if he catches you, he's gonna kill you. Yeah, it's a lot Gosling of Gosling sounds like Gosling that. sounds like that on a lot of. I can see, I can sort of hear that in the trailer. It's sometimes. it's kind of weird. It's, he doesn't talk very much, and when he does, it's like this really lighter. See that we might want to keep an eye on Gosling because Nicolas Cage started out with a lot of credibility and then started doing weird voices. <laughs> so we got to keep an eye on Gosling. Watch the hairline, guys. Right. All right, so tra- transition right now. Yeah, this is what yeah. this happened. That's right what now? we. That's what we in the business we call a smooth transition. <laughs> Watch the hairline, guys. Speaking <laughs> of hairlines, <laughs> how about that? Yeah, that's, that's so. Started. So moving on to our, our feature. How about view. that hair trigger tension? <laughs> Where's our little sound effects, John? Yeah. Where's your little guitar? I put them in in post. Okay. Uh, so we actually all were able to see our feature film this week, which is a movie we've all been looking forward to on our, you know, our, our want to see list. Jingle all the way. <laughs> you you just made me oh you think, missed that you just made me think of a movie that doesn't exist that I would go see called Django all the way yeah, yeah I was like I thought you said Django and Chain I was like what I was trying to say it like Arnold Schwarzenegger no but we're talking about Zero Dark Thirty uh, the new film Catherine Bigelow written by Mark Bowl mm-hmm. uh, to kind of switch over to I guess a little more of a serious tone in terms yeah, of right. subject matter um, it's kind of weird to like think when I, when I left the theater after the movie it was weird for me to sit back and say. Like, this is really all about something that happened, like, a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, there's a lot of films, like, I think we've all enjoyed Argo this year. Movies that are talking about, or even Lincoln, which I admittedly have not seen yet. You know, mm-hmm. I apologize. But, um, you know, that deal with history moments, you know, things that happened in American history that are we've been removed from. And that have since, you know, been explored multiple times or with the sense of Argo, like, 
revealed at a certain point and then developed where this is something that really hasn't been around. You know, it's like the, the hunt for Osama bin Laden has been going on for 10 plus years. But then when it happened, literally it's like a year ago, you know, it's kind of crazy to think about the thought that, you know, went into a film like this, the production, the, you know, the, a lot of journalistic investigation, I'm sure, mm-hmm. by things that were revealed. Um, well, they were actually working on a movie set in 2001 about a, about an attempt on Bin Laden where where he got away. Right, right, and right. And then while they were working on that, uh, I think it was Catherine Bigelow and Mark Ball. Mark Ball. Uh, and then he we we got him when they were working on it, and so then they kind of scrapped that idea, and they used a lot of their research to dive Roll into that, the new yeah. story. So yeah, I mean it's like it really was like ripped from the headlines even more so that they actually changed the the movie they were making based on what was happening in the real world. Is it too soon to make a movie like this? That's what I was thinking about as I was watching it. I mean, that's kind of what I was going that's kind of what I was strange. getting to like I didn't leave the theater feeling that way at all. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. because I one of the things I tried to think about it was, you know, a lot of these movies that I just referenced were like Argo and Lincoln this year, but you know, other films in in the past few years about times that I wasn't around for. Like, I didn't have mm-hmm. any... Obviously, I had an emotional connection to it because of, a, you know, what it did to a people or, or to a nation or whatnot. But, you know, I wasn't there to experience it. I, I wasn't there to relate to it, to say I... The, the moment in the film, the payoff in this film, you know, in those other movies, I could not sit there and say I, I knew exactly where I was when that happened. Yeah. You know, in a parallel thought for me, I was like, when Osama bin Laden was assassinated or when he was killed... You know, in the film, I I can say, oh, my God, I know where I was like, you know, that exact time. And that was a weird experience for me because I don't know many movies that I've ever had that thought process. And I I, I thought it was actually pretty amazing for me to think about it like that. Yeah, it is. It is. And then talking to my friends after seeing it, you know, it's the same thing. It was like the same consensus. It was like we were saying, is it is it kind of too soon to do a movie like this? Like, is it not kind of been able to unfold and kind of simmer down and maybe more information to be revealed to maybe make a more accurate film because there's been some accusations about accuracy and whatnot. Yeah, I heard that. But it's amazing to me, though, the experience to walk out of a theater and be like, a year ago I was doing X, and yeah. that's what that was just about. And it's like a cultural, historic thing that I now am a part of. And, you know, my kids' kids, and when they see a movie like this, it's like, it's it, I don't know, it's nothing I've experienced before yeah. with what a movie. What do you think, Ronald, too I, soon? I, I Well, I think that we're... I think part of it is that it became... And I know it, it's not for everybody. If everybody's watching it, it's it's a different sort of thing now because it's so soon. Mm-hmm. It becomes a movie where you're like in your head kind of cheering where you necessarily wouldn't have. Because I was, for, like, for example, Argo. Argo, I was cheering for the event because it was a movie that I, about nothing, something I didn't know about. Right. Whereas this one feels different because, I, you know, mm-hmm. my mom was in D.C. when it all happened. And yeah, you felt family, that bloodlust. You felt yeah. yeah. The movie so wasn't felt, making you it, think about bloodlust that you never felt. Right. So it feels different. So to see the people on screen looking for that, and mm-hmm. then I'm feeling it. I'm like, wow, this feels weird. It, mm-hmm. it because I'm not a hateful person, but you can't help but want justice to be brought for a man that may or may not have been responsible for all of this chaos. Well, I mean, at the very least, he had become. The most recognizable symbol of that chaos. Yeah, he is a figurehead. And if we, if there was a target that we could have had for our for our hate and our revenge, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he was it. But I mean, I do think that like the movie uh, doesn't spend a lot of time examining those issues. But I think the way they did it, the question of whether it's too soon, is almost irrelevant because they did it. Whether it's accurate or not, I mean, I think anytime you make a movie, you're going to force a certain perspective, and you're going yeah. to. Um, we talked about it a little bit with uh, some of the documentaries we've seen with the reenactments, where just by showing an audience something, you sort of suggest that this is the way it really happened. You know, yeah. so this movie you can you can say they they I think they presented it in an almost journalistic way. They tried very hard yeah, to right, stay right, factual right. and to not not have moral judgment being part of the story. But just by virtue of showing it, yes, you're right. I mean, it is maybe an account that will be refuted sure. in the days to come, but. Um, but just the way they did, like, I mean, I think there's room for so many different complicated reactions to what was going on in the story that you you can maybe say, well, maybe it was accurate or inaccurate, but it was certainly not simplistic in its, in its portrayal. And, yeah. and I've been sort of surprised to see how much of the debate has been over whether the movie glorifies torture when I really don't think that, I mean, not only do I not think it does, but I don't think that that's really an issue for a movie that just tries to present torture. But I think the crucial element is that... Um, 
you know, it's ambiguous in the movie whether torture works, even in the context of the movie. So it's yeah. not like the movie's saying this all worked great. I don't know. I think all the topics that are that are sort of hot topics in this movie are interesting to think about and to talk about, and that the movie doesn't really force you to come down on one side or the yeah. other. I I mean, I enjoyed that part. I did also did, you enjoyed that you part. Enjoy, I enjoyed the waterboarding. Well, no, I like no, no. a good waterboarding scene. It was scene. like more journalistic. Is that a nice towel? To <laughs> I'm a little. I'm always conflicted about what it is that we're doing over there. Mm-hmm. Even even with all the stuff like, uh, I think we, for better or worse, we manufacture these people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We manufacture these people that hate America. As a result, I think of it's debatable how much policing we. I mean, yeah, of the I, country. You know what I mean? Right. Like I think if you don't, if you don't consider that notion yeah. of how our actions in the world, whether they're perceived correctly or not, how yeah. how people react to them, if you don't take some responsibility for that, then then you're you're kind of you're kind of putting blinders on. Yeah. yeah the the world police thing that we do is, mm-hmm. is is a weird thing. So to see it all happen the way it does, to see the man, you forget that these events are all connected. You forget the London thing. You forget mm-hmm. the the random New York, where, where the, the, the thing... The thing that stopped, The thing that stopped. So you forget that these things are all connected and it happened in front of us. And they tied in the, the shoe bomber guy. <sighs> they had a reference to him, you know, yeah. in the interrogation. So you, you forget that all these things are... Event, uh, these events are connected or, or assumed to be connected. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And then I see it all played out the way it, it's played out is is pretty phenomenal. I don't know. I, the, the, the one thing, uh, I, you know, I kind of been reading a lot about <clears throat> and trying to really kind of decide where I come down on which side is. I think there's like two different conversations going on about whether the film promotes torture, mm-hmm. like, you know, promotes it or and or whether or not it actually is kind of glorifying it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think at all that the film glorifies torture. Right. You know, I don't I didn't get any I didn't walk away from this movie once thinking anything beyond like I didn't leave the movie thinking that like the government didn't participate in activities like this. Like I'm not thinking that they're saying something happened that didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? But the the one thing that I think I have more issue with and I don't and I still think that I don't I don't feel like the film promoted it, but I think that's where the real argument is, is whether or not it promoted torture, mm-hmm. whether or not it's saying that because of this, because of the waterboarding and, you know, the box and like these these methods, mm-hmm. that that's what led to the information that led to the, you know, the killing mm-hmm. of Osama bin Laden. That's where I think the real argument is. But a lot of what I've been seeing and reading here, and even it, that's ambiguous in the movie, you know, I, like you could I, you could read into it that it was yeah, you could read I, into it that it was. And that's what I'm saying. I think that they kind of they kind of successfully. By the way, that's what ambiguous means. Is that <laughs> it could be one that, could be two different things. <laughs> um, it's like, I think that's where the filmmakers and even the screenwriter kind of come down on the right side is that they kind of don't come on a side at all. I feel like it's pretty neutral in that sense. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the movie at all correlates those early torture scenes, which note happen in the first 45 minutes. And that's really all you yeah. see with it. And yeah. it's pretty brutal and pretty it drawn is. out. It absolutely yeah. is. But I, I, I mean, if you were to ask me, I think that happens, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe even still to this day, I mean, which is sad, you know, right. with, with things that have happened since, since this movie took place. But, you know, I don't, I, I never once would, would watch this movie and be like, hold on a second. Like that didn't happen. Like, I'm sure that didn't happen. That didn't lead to Osama bin Laden being found and located. Like, I, I believe that that had a bearing on it. I don't know that that was the reason that they found him. And I don't think the movie ever says that. If anything, the movie almost leads down a path at a moment where it's a dead end. Like, the information mm-hmm. being gathered from these scenes are a dead end. They actually mm-hmm. question yeah. at a point in the film, you know, how reliable is the information that you get from these people right. when they are under these extreme situations and circumstances? Yeah. So, like, when the movie itself has a conversation about this, how could you possibly say that it's say one way that or the it other. comes down yeah. one way? Yeah, yeah. And I, right. I think that's really interesting that people are, like, hating on the film. Yeah. For that, and I think the gentleman that started it, like the guy from the Guardian, like he didn't even see the movie before he wrote this whole thing, and I don't think if he had if he'd mm-hmm. never written that, it wouldn't Whatever. even be a controversy. I right. honestly don't. And I mean, I'm no I'm no authority, you know. I'm, I'm, we just do this podcast, but I can't believe yeah. that it's so strongly suggesting that this film is promoting that. You're not certified by the authority. No, <laughs> no, not not yet. I'm working thought, on it, John. I thought this was an authority certified podcast. Yeah, it, have you guys have you guys renewed yours or <laughs> uh, we we need to. I'm fully <laughs> licensed. <laughs> oh, my apologies. Yeah. I have, you, the, te- you know I have the temporary tag right now. You know what I'm saying though. Yeah, right? I no, I know what you mean. And, and I kind of get a little passionate about it because well, think, it's th- a movie. Like it's not a, a documentary. We have with people getting like the, bent out of shape the, about movies 
in a, and it, we were talking about things getting pushed back. We were talking about when they edit movies. Sure. I, I think in general, there's a we, we're sort of pro art and we're sort of pro movie. Absolutely. And so to us, like, I guess what what I'm saying is. A movie that even a movie that was more pro torture than this movie, I would argue. Well, someone can make that movie if they want to. You can't yeah. really get mad at a movie for having a point of view. But this is a movie that I think tries really hard to <clears throat> not like stay safe, but just tries very hard not to. I think I said it already, but tries not to pass judgment. Like the camera yeah. doesn't judge what yeah. it sees much in this movie. It has a very, very real kind of your fly on the wall kind of way of presenting things. And to me, that. Whether you take issue with the specifics or maybe some of the, I mean, I, you know, I could see people saying that it kind of glorifies this essentially kind of violent act that's pretty gory. Yeah. But even that in the movie is presented as kind of a sad, like yeah, it yeah. plays as, you know, the triumph of the film is has a mournful undercurrent to it. So there's really nothing easy about this movie. And I, I think that people who say, yeah, it's saying one thing or the other are, are shutting down the thought that the movie's supposed to provoke. There's something kind of scary about it, though. I mean, like you say, it's. So for us, it's just a movie, but the. Well, I don't mean. I don't yeah, think. I'm, well, yeah. Well, well, I guess. Well, the 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 scary part about it to me is like the idea. I, mean, I know that, it was like, based on real events. And yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I, mean, I guess I mean for like. Like Wreck It Ralph is just a movie. Yeah, this yeah is no, I don't mean like. I mean, <laughs> oh, Steve. <laughs> I mean the idea that like if if something's so heavy. So for us, for us, it's it's American history and 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 like. 9-11 related oriented things but for for somebody that's in the middle east seeing this depiction of how it all happened it becomes something totally different it's their hero being murdered mm -hmm. on screen depicted by us the heroes taking someone out mm -hmm. that's that's what i'm i'm just talking about from a event-based thing that's that's the part that has when i watch it i got scared i was like whoa this is it's very scary. It felt very. But I don't fresh. know how many people there are that aren't terrorists that yeah, that, that have that Osama bin Laden as a hero. Yeah, I was gonna just like say a that. hero, well, like a real hero, like maybe well, a cultural figure. You know, like there, well, I there's guess, a lot of sort of con cultural contrarians who who would I, say, like, okay, he's no worse than. I mean, right? I guess. Like, granted, we trained him, we propped right, him up. Right. I, you know, I think there's a lot of arguments right. against the way we handled the whole. Origin I guess or, I mean the the whatever the polar opposite of a of a patriotic person the opposite of that that has to be that has to be it has to sit kind of weird with people i think that there's symbolically there was this sort of oh okay so we can get the bad guy i mean we can't yeah, someone who we know it's, played it's, a role in doing this awful thing we can get them but does it change uh, does it make us safer no i mean mm -hmm. i think that like in the movie to me it's seen as a hollow sort of i mean it's i don't want to say that totally but mm -hmm. i do think it's played as kind of a hollow victory it is no in, I, yeah. it is so it in is that too. sense I think that what you're talking about is already taken care of by the movie. That the movie goes ahead and says, "Oh, by the way, what did this? What did this really accomplish?" You know yeah. what I mean? But I guess if I was a if, if someone was a really big fan of of Bin Laden, maybe they would. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a fan club. You yeah, know, it's like the I president. Mean, I guess I guess that was a little extreme, but I guess I mean just not an American supporter. There's there are lots of people that <clears> dislike <throat> us as a country. I'm just saying, like, there's a there's yeah. a response. Of, it, it's a big thing. Like, um. Well, I guess what I'm getting at is that I think this movie's more even-handed than a lot of really right. jingoistic right. like, it, action movies can be, where the, where the bad guys really right. are just like, oh, put a turban on him and give yeah. him an accent, and, and he's it wasn't like, like bad guy, all know? of the Middle Eastern people had like red eyes, they're like, right. it wasn't like that, but but it's just I can't help but worry, right? As a person who 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 considers the the both sides of things, because I think that all of it, all of it. For, for for what it's worth, it was a very well played movie. It it was it didn't feel too biased. It didn't feel too heavy handed in the message. It felt like it was delivered properly. It was it man. I didn't feel. I didn't think I would feel so weird about the mm -hmm. the third act. I I thought I was gonna be like, yeah, get Bin Laden. I'm like, man, that's. I think that's one of the major successes of it, though. Yeah, like, yeah. When, when we absolutely. talk about its motivations or or the fact right. of whether that's there's it propaganda glorified. there, it's like. Even the lead character who is just, I mean, we can talk about Jessica Chastain in a moment, but just the last shots of the film. You mean Carrie Matheson if she stayed on her meds? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I kept thinking was, okay, this is like this is like a really good stretch of Homeland episodes yeah. for Carrie yeah. Matheson. Her hunch. You right, know, right. It came through. Yeah. It but did. no, yeah, the, the, the last scenes of the film, I mean, talking about like it kind of feeling hollow or whatnot, mm -hmm. like I don't think that there's any kind of rah-rah at the end i mean right. even even in the even in with the scene with the the seal team and and whatnot but i you know just 
I don't know. I just feel like I'm just really conflicted about like what a lot of the hate on the film is. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people, you know, it's like, oh, it's a movie. Oh no, it's history. It's you know, it's history if there's positive things going towards it, like awards and things like that. But if there's like questions about whether things are accurate or mm-hmm. did it condone this? Right. Oh, it's just a movie. Well, it said that based on me true events. It didn't extent. say it is true. It, you know what I'm saying? Based yeah. based to me means there's space well, th- for you know, a little bit yeah. of. Yeah, I mean they're, they're not claiming that this is a documentary. So I think that right. It was a bunch of really interesting things they did, like that torture scene. Um, the guy kind of left because it felt like it, it seemed like he was he, he didn't seem very like attached to that sort of life, like mm-hmm. just treating people that way. And it, you know what I mean? Like it, you have to put on this character when you're mm-hmm. interrogating. I thought that was really interesting. Like it, it didn't seem like a very uh, inaccurate portrayal of that sort of well, life. You could believe that a guy. And they, I think that actor was well chosen. We we're talking about Dan, the sort of yes, know, Jason, Jason Clark. Yeah, yeah, Jason Clark. I thought he was well chosen. Like I think I thought that he conveyed a kind of intelligence and a kind of character that you would. He sort of seemed likable, but he was doing this incredibly hard yeah. thing, you know. And I thought the movie was full of little performances like that, where people were just, you know, playing what you could believe would be the type of person who who could be doing this extreme thing and engaged in this crazy behavior, but like how, how you would have to develop your personality to try to handle that world, you know, like he didn't seem like a bad guy, but he definitely seemed like there's a darkness to this essentially torturer that yeah. we're watching. So what what else has he been in? He was in Lawless. Yeah. Great, uh, great Tom Lawless. He He's was... been in a lot, like a lot of random movies. He was in that, <laughs> this is random. He was in that, I think the death race remake. <laughs> Do you remember this with the? He was in name? Death Race. He was like the the guard or like the prison guy that like was really? watching over them. I like Death. He's Race. in like a, he's one of those faces we talked about this before. Like this movie is full of those faces yeah. that he's you also know, in Public Enemies, right? Public Enemies. You know he he people yeah, you I recognize David Fincher, you don't like, know them. He always you know? casts bit parts with character actors, and he's going to be in a great Gatsby. <clears throat> yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. In the, this was like going to be a year for him because those three mm-hmm. films were supposed to be big films, but yeah. Gatsby was pushed back. But I thought he was great. Um, uh, who else were we talking about? Kyle Chandler's in it. He was great. Mm-hmm. Some people in smaller roles, like James Gandolfini, is in there um, in like two scenes, literally. Yeah. He's hard scenes. to understand. I, I thought that that was just Sopranos and a couple other movies. James Gandolfini is very hard. You mean to, his, his his voice? His voice really? He's, it's very hard to understand him, man. I have an issue understanding him. But he he doesn't sound like he's eating things all the time. That, that actually brings up another point that I, I was asking <laughs> you guys about before we recorded. Was like I, mm. I was trying to find more information about like who these people are actually based on. And that's, oh, yeah. that's what some of the criticism is, is because when you take the point that this is a film and that you know, the characters aren't based on actual people mm-hmm. or they may be, be sourced from other people, but they're not an actual person. Yeah. I didn't, you know, you really couldn't find a lot of names and there really are none. I mean, there's a lot of references like James Gandolfini's character being, uh, Leon, Leon Panetta. Panetta. Yeah. And, you know, other characters, um, like the director of the counterterrorism unit that's, called the wolf in the film who mm-hmm. is a converted islam in the film but and there actually is a gentleman who was the you know the director of counterterrorism who was a converted islam but i don't know i think i think the 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 problem is like you can say that a lot of like basically everybody else besides them you could basically be saying that they're based off of some melting pot of all of these agents you know what i mean yeah, but they the do a people lot- that are the Faces of an agency mm-hmm. like Panetta who would make that decision. Right. You can't say that that's not him. Well, also you can't look at a picture of Panetta. He, you know, James Gandolfini definitely was made up to look like right. Panetta. He's not called that in the film. Right. They don't reference him as that. He's right. the director. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I think that's like you know you can't avoid that when right. you're trying to make a movie about about, about true events, mm-hmm. not calling them by name, whatever you mm-hmm. want to get into it. But, I mean, I think that was kind of cool, though, how they did that. Like, you know, there's no real identification of these agents. You know, Maya, Jessica Chastain's character, is not some woman named Maya. Right. You know, she is based on somebody that Catherine Bigelow and Mark Bolt did research on, Mm -hmm. and it may have been more than one person or whatnot. But that's a figure, because of how many agents there were and because of their nature to be kind of under the radar, we would never know that, and we don't need to know that. Right. You know, the people that are the face of it, the people that were on TV that are, Mm. you know, in the journal – you know, newspapers talking about it and, and, you know, addressing the the press, you can't, you can't not have it be that guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really handled well. And I mean, even by not calling them by name and I don't know, that was a side, but but it's interesting. I think all the characters that, you know, 
that we were talking, you were talking about the kind of composite character idea, where that maybe there's three or four analysts that are probably shoved into one character to make it easier to watch sure. in a movie and that sure. sort of thing. Um, but I thought that, like, I don't know if Mark Strong's character, George, is based on anybody actual, but, you know, I thought he was, he really made an impression in that role. And I think we were talking earlier about the conversation between him and the uh, national security advisor played by Stefan Delane, yeah. where it's, uh, <clears throat> who was, Who's in Game of Thrones and was in the John Adams uh, miniseries on oh, HBO? Jefferson, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Man. He was really good, and he made a real impression in that scene. Um, and maybe because they're writing a fictionalized version of a real character, they can kind of crystallize all these complex things into a really good scene of dialogue between two characters. Yeah. If you were married to the historical record, I think you would have to kind of tiptoe around some of that stuff. But in this case, they can sort of say, well, here's how it might have happened, and here's the type of thinking that was going on. Right. And and I thought in that sense it was written in a way that, in general, the acting was that kind of transcendent acting where you just feel like you're in the room with these characters. There were a few moments where I felt like there was an actorly moment, but most of it was very was very underplayed. Like even Harold Perrineau was underacting for once. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought... Uh, the way it's that, a rare occasion. The way that it moved around amongst the characters, too, with the kind of a shifting point of view was really kind of cool to me. Like, at first, you're following Maya, and you expect it to really stay over her shoulder. There would be scenes where things were happening that she wasn't privy to. Sure. And it always you always notice that. You're always like, oh, she doesn't, you know. In general, um, it was still sort of her story. But I liked the fact that you were seeing that once this hunch starts to play out about where uh, bin Laden might be hiding and how they might track him, that everyone who gets involved kind of, like, it's all about how everyone kind of buys into her hunch, you know, right. sure. which again, it reminded me a lot of Homeland. I, I like that. It wasn't like an immediate thing too. Right. Like, I like that. It was like a steady thing. They're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. She, you keep saying that. All right. And then her credibility, obviously in question, because this is the, the first thing that she had ever really covered of this magnitude. She was an intern up until this point and really had been kind of under the wings of mm. people in organization. And this was the first big thing. So nobody trusted her. And they didn't so overplay that, was, that either. They yeah, didn't overplay they did. the whole, she's, she's a rookie kind of thing, which would have been <laughs> annoying, but they did right. it just enough. Like, I right. think that's also like a takeaway from the film is that all of the main <clears throat> characters in the film, they don't really overplay any of them. You don't mm-hmm. really get much backstory of anybody. You get them in that moment. You know, uh, you get a little bit of the motivation for Maya's character. Um, you know, there's a scene like with uh, another female agent <clears throat> that she's kind of, developed a mm. friendship with um that becomes maybe more motivation for her with this you know she's got tunnel vision on this this objective and that's really all we know about her character yep. which i thought was great because it doesn't distract me from anything else in the film right. mm-hmm. you know this is a woman you know talking about female leads in a lot of films this is a woman that's like not dependent on being a victim of something yeah over-sexualized. Or, or by like or tagged to a man, you know, yeah. in, in most films. And that's... You no, nor me. is it all about her struggling against the sexism of the situation that she's in. Sure, you know? yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of a line that really stood out, um, which is when um, there's this... After a scene where they've had a briefing, and I guess it's Leon Panetta, and he's getting on the elevator with his with his aide, and he basically asks his aide, what do you think of her? And the guy says, she seems really smart. And he says, we're all really smart. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, right. I thought that was a really cool... Like, to me, that's what I felt like with... Uh, earlier when I was talking about the torturer guy, Dan... Uh, just the fact that he seemed, you know, he didn't seem like a brute. He seemed like a smart guy. Like, he seemed like he was doing what tactically had to be done. I think that in that scene, that that room with the first scene with James Gandolfini was kind of like, you started to see all these threads come together. Like, all, all the all the different characters were kind of in that scene. Yeah. You got to see how they all felt about this hunch of hers. Um, I, moments like that were so cool and kind of could have been so movie-ish, but they were very underplayed. It just took you a moment to rec- to look around that room and go, oh, cool, all the characters I've been kind of following are here for this moment. I thought that that was, uh, even uh, Mark Duplass, uh, I thought, had a nice little Yeah, he was nice great. I thought he was good in it. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, it was a very... Uh, I really like Mark Duplass. Very man. actorly, very naturalistic movie that these big moments were happening that you didn't really feel like were big moments because it seemed like this is just what these people do all day every, every day, day is yeah. analyze this that's information. That's exactly what I thought. And that's that was really cool. I, I kinda and, like, and there, I even in that scene, there's that. a guy who says it's a 60% chance. And it's like another guy says, I think it's a soft 60. I love this idea that people are like, these guys are experts at like crunching numbers on what the best use of, of life, you know, like we're going to, we're going to put soldiers on this. We're going to send, we're yeah. like, we've got to make sure that it's worth the risk to do it. And I thought that part of it was really interesting. That oh, yeah, were, these are all, it's all about getting enough evidence to make a move. These are all analysts and that's all they're doing is mm-hmm. pushing together 
probabilities. Right. I just love that whole scene because like she's like the woman in the room. She's the yeah the surefire. No one ever says a hundred percent. Usually, mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's probably hardly ever hundred percent. Yeah. In those analyst eyes, and and she's an agent, you know, and she has she's in the moment. She's dedicated ten years to this, and this is what she wants, and. You know, I thought that scene was awesome. Yeah, it was. I mean, just the idea that somebody's going to take everything and invest it in this idea that's just a hunch and it could fail. People could die. And she did it. And Mm -hmm. it's it's it was well played. I I didn't feel like it plays really well when she's when she meets the Navy SEALs later and she basically kind of. They kind of mutually ball bust for a second there and end up with a little bit of respect for each other. But, you know, like Chris Pratt, uh, he kind of. Like he he gives her a little bit of hell for the fact that this oh so you're you're sure this has been Laden we've been down this road before you know we've lost, lost guys people, to this right. kind of mission before I thought those moments were again I think there was a little bit of moviness to it like her character she does have that kind of you know oh, there's a lot of movies about that sort of driven character that is so it's like that is kind of a hero character but still with a very gray area it 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 was never simplistic you know but so, like what but the, the where, like, I, where I, I feel like it's different with her and or this character specifically is what is her motivation right. You know what I mean? What like that's that's the variable that right. I think is working really well because, like I said just a few minutes ago, it's like there's no she's no victim, she's no love interest, she's nothing mm-hmm. that's like attached to anything that we saw happen in this movie. One scene, you know, there's a little bit of like you know yeah. motivation halfway mm-hmm. through the film, but otherwise it's like she's just doing her job, right. you know. And that's I think that was kind of that that's yeah. what I liked a lot about the character. But I know what you're saying though, and I. I I'm you know, saying, I, but I, I guess what I, to finish my thought, I yeah. thought they came up to those moments and they handled them really well. Like yeah. It was it you still sort of rooted for her and felt like, oh, she's a little bit of a badass, but it was still as underplayed as it possibly could have been to have that type of character. On it her, was weird know? that that scene, actually, when they first had the conversation with the seals, mm-hmm. it's like that's the only part part of the movie that I actually when we talk about the whole like promoting the torture. Yeah, that's the only part of the movie where they actually say it links like which. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Like where she's like, they're like, well, where'd you find that out? And she says something about information gathered from the detainee program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the only like legs that I think right. anybody would have to stand on. What did you think of the choice to have the the recordings at the beginning? Again, I mean, that's kind of a ballsy move. If, if you're saying your movie's fiction, I mean, right. like I think that's a lot of the uh, criticism that people are saying, well, if this is a movie based on events, why actually include the real recordings? Just to be clear, yeah, at the beginning of the movie, over a black screen, mm-hmm. um, they 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 play nine one one recordings of people, I guess, that were in the towers when they were going right. down and stuff, and it's pretty horrific. I mean, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, knowing it was coming, I still kind of my I had my heart in my throat during that part, and was like, yeah. oh, God. like I almost part of me didn't want to be taken back to that day and the way it felt on that day. But do you, do you think it set the tone for just? Yeah, do you think it yeah. just puts you in the mind? Like I agree with you, Steve, that it's a little strange to do a fictionalized account after that. But did it at least kind of bring back that feeling that you had on September 11th? Absolutely. I'm just saying I only made that comment because that's again like I'm really been because it really oh, I, bothers but me. I mean, I, I'm on. The <clears> you know what I'm saying though? Like, yeah. I, and when I read that, I did kind of agree with it a little bit, mm-hmm. but. I think it was. I think it works for me, and I think it works. Mm-hmm. I think it will work for most people, like the audience that's going to go see this film. Even though it's only a year removed, that's not. Mm-hmm. That's ten years ago. Yeah, and it still feels ago. raw. Like, yeah, and I mean, you hear that call, feeling. and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'm back in that moment now yeah. again. An event that I can tell you where I was at yep. college when I oh, heard about. Course. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, it's just it, and it it just makes it more relative to me and. I don't think there's any issue with, you know, kind of including that because it puts perspective on it for me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't really find anything wrong with it. But I think it was a... It, it crossed my mind why... What's the motivation for it? I mm. asked that question. What's the motivation for it if this is, a fa- like, a fictional film? Mm-hmm. But experiencing it, I, I can identify what the motivation was, it, you know? It was right. a device. Like, it... Because, yeah. it, it, like you said, we're so far <laughs> removed from 9-11 that... There had to be some sort of device to remind you what it was that made that day so crazy. Mm-hmm. It was, it was the the death and the screaming and the the. Because yeah, maybe if that, that hadn't been there, the abstract aspect of trying to get Bin Laden, the symbolic nature of that, might have felt like kind of a. It might have been too felt like too hollow of a of a cause. Yeah. But with that, it does bring back those feelings of like, yeah, there's some there's some retribution to be had. Whether whether we agree, you know, that feels very old Old Testament kind of to want an eye for an eye. But I think we still have that that voice in our heads. Whether Mm -hmm. whether we end up whether we end up being worse off at the end of that process or not, I think we all sort of you know this movie definitely plays on that notion of of here you go, here's your here's your revenge, you know. So 
I think sometimes it, it I would have totally not been so involved if I didn't hear that at the mm-hmm. beginning. Sure. Because I did. I mean, like, nine eleven was terrible, but also ten years ago. Right. So I was like, oh, whoa! I, I I totally forgot, and I was like laying on a couch watching TV, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing those towers and and losing service and not being able to call my mom and having to pick my sister up from school and right. having friends in D.C. and New York and. I I remembered everything. Mm-hmm. I remembered everything in that moment. It was crazy. So. What final thoughts? What did you think of the sort of overall structure of the movie? Like just the way it was put together as a movie. Did you did you did you enjoy it? I actually really enjoyed like uh the transitional scenes like with the title cards kind of telling mm-hmm. us what was a, what we were about to kind of mm-hmm. witness. Um, it reminded me of uh, a Kubrick movie. Oh, absolutely. The way it takes place in movements, where yep. like here's a chunk of story, and then it's yeah. like that's 45 minutes, and then it's almost a little movie, and then it jumps forward. It had to be like that. It had to be like a like no momentum at first, and then because that's how it was. Like they they had no information. They were kind of fishing for a little. Or even bit. when they had information, they just took forever to do it. Like John, you were talking about the scene <laughs> where she's writing the numbers on the wall mm-hmm. or on the glass. Yeah. I mean, that's the same thing. I mean, it's a slow burn until something happens. Yeah. What do you think of the strange choice to have the words for your consideration appear periodically on screen <laughs> and then disappear? <laughs> was that? Wait, I didn't see that. Yeah. What? Wait, you, I must have blinked. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what that was. Oh, I think goodness. all around, I mean, we all seem to enjoy the film. I think I mean, I don't know. Yeah, recommend no. it. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a weird definitely. movie to say enjoy. I think I say right. that sometimes. <laughs> I said I've already said that though. I'm not calling you out, but yeah. I think it's hard to say enjoy about some movies. But I think in general, on this show, we try to talk about the experience of watching a movie, sure. and it's a movie yeah. I would watch again, regardless of the grim subject matter. Just, I mean, I would watch it again for the for the story and for the movie making. Absolutely you know? agreed. Um, I just mentioned the Oscars. Yeah, that, that, that that's another. Yeah, f- speaking of for your consideration. Speaking of, yeah. <laughs> uh, this week the Oscar nominations came out. Um, a lot of I guess expected nominees. I guess we wanted to just kind of take a moment, not to kind of go long on it, but to maybe just talk about. Since we're talking about Zero Dark Thirty, maybe uh, a few, and we've actually referenced a couple of films that were also going to be in this category. Maybe a few snubs. Mm-hmm. That didn't get acknowledged, and I think the biggest one is 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 the director of Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, um, especially Catherine given Bigelow. that she won for her last movie. Yeah, you know, two thousand nine, she won for you know the the Hurt Locker director, Best Picture, mm-hmm. um, and I think also screenplay that year. Mark Mark Bow, I think, won screenplay for that as well. Um, although he did get nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did not, which is, is so odd to me. Same um, thing happened to uh, Tarantino. Yeah, absolutely. Can you when when so I'm I'm looking at the best picture and the best picture has like one two three. Isn't there another five, movie that got nominated seven, that the director eight, didn't? Nine. Argo. Argo. There's ben nine. Affleck. There's nine movies for best picture. Yeah. You can't have no. There's five for director. There's five for director. There's which a, which there's a maximum of ten. Yeah. Which automatically you read the you do the math. It's going to snub four people if you're looking for that pair yeah. of. Of film mm-hmm. director, which is yeah. usually a good sign, yeah, for being a strong contender, and it makes me worry about where, um, or I guess how it's going to affect the Oscars in terms of I, I again I have not seen Lincoln yet, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. but it almost makes me think that that's honestly the film that seems like a very beat, you know? very boring if if it's a Lincoln sweep. As much as I admired aspects of that movie, I I, I would be bored by a Lincoln. I actually don't sweep. think it's going to be a Lincoln sweep. I think that. Uh... I think Beast of the Southern Wild is going to win Best Picture. Wow. Yeah. And I well, think, it wow. is it is one where the director was also nominated, yeah. as well as uh, Michael Haneke's uh, uh, Amour. Amour. Yeah, I think which, we're going to get a uh, surprise. You know, both of those are sort of like prestige nominations. I mean, those right. are guys who, who, for different reasons, you know, it, it kind of looks good to have in there. Oh, man. I, this, what do you, how do you feel about Best Actor? Uh, I mean, I... I, I, I I feel like it's going to go to Daniel Day Lewis, hands down. But really? I, I would, I would, I mean, you know, Joaquin's yeah, my same. boy. I want Joaquin, particularly in that role. I think Daniel Day Lewis. Although I do think both those guys are kind of playing on the same uh, level. Like mm. if you're talking about a performance, um, they both do similar, th- not similar things as actors, but they he, they had a similar level of just like creating uh, an indelible character. Yeah. But I think Joaquin's uh, role was more surprising and interesting. I think Daniel yeah. Day Lewis was brilliant, but it was almost exactly what you would have expected. Yeah, yeah. it didn't seem like very challenging in comparison. Yeah. Like this guy had to he had an affliction. Like yeah. that's I, I'm I'm always drawn to afflicted 
characters. Right. That's why you come down here every yeah. week and talk to me. <laughs> talk to you too. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the biggest, the biggest, I guess, focal point is the directing category, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. there's some surprises oh, in other categories. Absolutely. Like, I think, I, I don't know. I feel like I'd almost had rather seen DiCaprio nominated for supporting actor for Django than, than, than Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Um, I thought that would have been interesting. He, I, I actually think he may have been able to win that category had he been nominated. But yeah, the directing category just completely puzzles me. I, I think Argo, Ben Affleck not getting direct um, nominated for director when all year, all season, it's just been all about him. And yeah. this is also not just a movie like incredibly well made, directed, acted all around. It's a movie that made a lot of money. Yeah, and that's and, a and really, really important well thing. Too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not the end all be all, but that matters in a lot of Academy voters' eyes. And I think the one thing that I was reading is that there There seems to be a little bit of distaste for actors turned directors. Yeah. That maybe some of the directors on the Academy that, you know, put Feeling their nominees, they don't, they don't like that, apparently. Yeah. That's, that, that's the case. That's that's crazy to me. Because it was, it was such a good movie. It's, and I think it would have been, I mean, I think it already happened. Like the whole, you know, and it's it's been happening, but I think Argo definitely cemented it of, of, of Affleck's transition just from an actor to a, a legitimate director that will mm-hmm. make films from now on that are going to be taken seriously. But, you know, having even the nomination, I think, would have been amazing for him, you know, yeah. having mm-hmm. one for Goodwill Hunting years ago. It just the, the rounding of that of that power would have been amazing to me. I just find it to be I mean, I understand the difference. And I know that the producer is the one that accepts the best picture award and all that kind of thing. But I've always thought, found that strange that best pick that, that you can have a best director and best picture award split. I mean, I find that. Yeah. Odd. So it is odd to say that this movie is one of the best of the year, but we're not gonna we're not gonna reward the directing. Um, it does seem like a kind of to me as though the Academy. It's like their way of letting you know they're not really that excited about those movies. You know mm-hmm. that Argo, Django Unchained, uh, and and Zero Dark Thirty are sort of like well we know these are good enough to be nominated, but they're not. They, they, it's not their year. You know that it's going to be one of these other movies. So yeah. I mean I don't know I I can't say I'm too surprised. That any of those movies might not have gotten Best Director, but that all three were up for Best Picture and not for Best Director. It does Definitely. make you kind of, you know. And and then what are what the happened? what are the other Best Directors? So it's Haneke, it's Spielberg, Angley, it's Angley. for Life okay. of Pi. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That, yeah, it just bothers me so much. Well, I mean, there's always like that weird shit that happens with these nominees, and I'm actually really happy that Beast of the, of the yeah, Southern yeah. Wild got the attention it did. I mean, it's amazing mm-hmm. for an indie film of that stature and size to get. You know the nominees. I think it also was was it also nominated for a screenplay. I think and I think the young girl was mm-hmm. nominated for best actress. You know yeah. she was six yeah. when the film was shot. Nine now, youngest to ever be nominated. Mm-hmm. I mean that, that that's amazing. I love the film by the way. I don't know if I ever talked to you guys. I, I ended up I did see it and I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love the attention that it's going to get. Best adapted screenplay. Adapted, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's amazing to have those nominations. You know. Um, yeah. It's just something about it's just something about when somebody gets snubbed. What that does to a movie, mm-hmm. it's it's it it kind of disappears into obscurity because it's not uh, yeah. Academy Award. So what is nominated. it about Zero Dark Thirty then? Maybe it's interesting to note why that movie would be snub. Like what the message is then? Like what what are we? Is it that it's just too like too all the reasons we were talking about earlier? I think is it's it too, too much of a hot hot button people. topic. Yeah, like, I think so. I, I mean, yeah, I think that's probably one of the possibilities. Like it's almost like a, a cowardly move or a slightly yeah, safe don't, move. You don't, yeah, you don't acknowledge uh, an achievement for a, a hot button topic yeah. or something like that. Maybe uh, the other snub actually is John Hawks for the sessions, which I remember when we saw the trailer back in the day. We were remember back in the day yeah, that when we were down we had our oversized lollipops and our little beanies <laughs> on. Um, but yeah, like John Hawks, we at least thought he was good for a nomination. I don't yeah. think we ever thought that movie would be one to beat, but like, it's interesting to think that like in the months that have happened since then, that all these other great performances have come along. And that's just one of those that got lost in the shuffle, possibly because the movie was not that great. Yeah. Maybe. I so. think at the, I think that's a great performance and an okay film. Yeah. And I guess in the company of the other actors that were nominated, it kind of could get lost any other year. Maybe yeah. it would have been, mm-hmm acknowledge for it but i mean i don't know I'm, I'm very interested to see how things play out um for the oscars february 24th well with all these snubs we're just gonna have to do our own award show maybe we shall yeah maybe we shall i'm um, very excited about that yeah that'd be fun we should do that it would be we should do that guys <laughs> that might not be fun yeah um but coming up next week yeah we had the best of episode best which is the of. most stressful episode for me it, yeah i have so much trouble making a list of favorite films it literally 
I have an an entire Evernote notebook devoted to mm-hmm. my best of list, and it's just like me writing, me having my pros and cons list for all the films, and and where does that diagram cross? And I got like a whole like algorithm. So, what I've are the big ones it. you haven't seen yet that you think might have between now and next week? I need to see Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I need to see Life of Pi. Yeah, same. Um, I want to see films that I I, I want to see them more. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that I've in general have ever been a huge fan of of Haneke, but. I need to see it, especially yeah. with with the nominations right. this week. And it's getting um, like it sounds like an. It, to me, that sounds like one that I'm like, oh, this doesn't sound fun. It sounds great and right. brilliant, but it does not sound fun to watch at no. all. So, right. <laughs> um, what else? Documentary. I need to see. I'm a huge fan of doc, of the documentary category. I need to see Searching for Sugar Man still. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, I was able to see Visible War and How to Survive a Plague this past week, which, by the way, are on instant, um, Netflix Instant right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, new editions this week. Definitely recommend both of those films. Amazing documentaries, completely devastating documentaries, but well made. I think those are probably the key ones. Lincoln, mm-hmm. Life of Pi, Amore. Um, what am I missing? Anything? Um, what do you guys have that you haven't seen? I know you, John, you need to see Silver Linings, which yeah. we didn't even mention. That's the only seen, film that seen... actually get the nominations in all the major categories. Right. Yeah, I haven't film, seen director, Linings. actor. It's like it's got a sort of, I mean, having not seen it, but according to everybody, it's got a crowd-pleasing undercurrent, and yet it's got all these actorly moments, and, you know, it's... Of of all those nominations, I feel like the strongest possibility is maybe Jennifer Lawrence. Mm -hmm. Um, Possibly screenplay? I don't know. I love that film, and that film will surely be in my top three or four, if not higher, but... um, Don't spoil it. Yeah, spoiler. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's really it. I mean, there's a lot of other films that I wanted to see this year that I haven't, but ones that I continually think would possibly enter my discussion with it mm-hmm. are those probably. I haven't seen Searching for Sugarman. I also want to see Holy Motors. Haven't seen that yet. Oh, but yeah. I've heard yes, a lot about I have. That. I, have I want to see that. I mean, I need to see that. <laughs> I want to see that as well. But, uh, yeah, and then I still have not seen The Grey, and I just feel like I need to see John, it. John, just I need see, to see it, it please. Just... <laughs> I'm not throwing any spoilers out there, but see it, John. Yeah. <laughs> see it, John. I don't want to build it up either, John, but yeah, see it, John. Right. So uh, anyone out there listening, we'd love to hear what you think were the was your favorite movie of the year, actually. Yeah. We, you, you, get, you did this last year. Yeah, Ron and I did this last year, and that's actually mm-hmm. um, where we met John. No, yeah, right. we, we knew John prior, but that's kind of where, like, you know, maybe we should include this guy. Right. And, and then this I, wonderful and, review of The Innkeepers, yeah. right. a movie that weeks before we'd only torn apart. Yeah, just a little background on that. I uh, sent in, I, I had, I'd listened to Movie Schmovie, but I was not caught up, and so, but I knew your deadline was up for your, your fan review. Yeah. So I sent in my my little snippet about the innkeepers, thinking maybe they haven't talked about this movie, right? Because it was not my favorite movie of the year by far. But I thought just here's a here's a neat one that maybe they didn't sure. mention. And then when I heard like literally minutes after I sent that in, I played the episode where you trashed the innkeepers, <laughs> and I sort of blushed. I was actually embarrassed. I was like, oh, I would have said something like "fuck you, Steve" or something in front of that review. But you know what's funny for me is I've cooled on. Ty West since seeing that movie based Good. on his contribution to VHS. So oh, right, right. I wonder if I saw that movie now, if I would see a little a bit little more of the nothing there, there, I still think the performances would have win me over, but I think that movie has third act problems. Like a lot of, like a lot of horror movies. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. But back to the idea, back to the idea last is last year we had the opportunity or gave the opportunity for some of our friends, fans, listeners, anybody that really cares about movie, movie at all. Yeah. Uh, beyond the three of us. To, you know, send us what your favorite film of the year was. So mm-hmm. this year we decided to kind of get up with the time and not actually make you record it yourself and send <laughs> it to us. But we are going to utilize this wonderful thing named Google Voice. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some awesome Google sound I'm sure we can yeah. find for that. Um, to let you guys call in and leave us a voicemail um, with what your favorite film of, the, of 2012 was. Um, you know, we want to keep it simple. Your name, what the film was. Your serial and, number. And, and briefly <laughs> why you chose it. Talking less than 30 seconds. We're going to go through all the submissions that we get and try to include as many as we can mm-hmm. in next week's episode. Um, they won't all be able to be included. So, mm-hmm. you know, make it sexy, make it fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just another way to kind of get more people involved. I mean, I love hearing from my friends. I talk movies all the time with all my friends. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be a part of the show next week, why not just call it in? And if they like your recording, you never know. You may be fourth chair next you may year. Be, we may have. We, we do have some spare chairs. Yeah, there's, there's extra chairs. There's extra here. chairs. There's a couple poong chairs from IKEA you <laughs> yeah. can hop in with a footrest and everything. We could have an average podcast length of two hours, two and a half <laughs> yeah. hours. every time. But if you want to, if you want to try to participate, <laughs> no or just breaks. you know, let us know what you liked. The Google, uh, the Google Voice number to call into is four four three 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 zero two four six two. Uh, you will probably hear my voice on that, mm-hmm. um, but just go ahead and leave, you know, like I said, your name, your choice in film, and uh, and why. 
you know, like I said, please keep mm-hmm. it to 30 seconds or less. That's much more likely that you will be included in the episode if you follow those guidelines. Yeah. But, uh, you know, send it and, out there. We'd love to hear from you the guys. The cutoff really should be right, right. Thursday, January 17th, as, yeah. as late as a week from now when we're recording this. Yeah. Well, I'll probably be doing the editing for that episode so I can cut them in as late as that. So have yeah. them in by, you know, let's say by the morning of Thursday, the 17th. Please. Again, it's 443-330-2462. Leave the voicemail. Mm-hmm. Don't text to the number. Yeah. Don't keep calling the number. Just right. leave a voicemail. We will get it, and there's a pretty good chance that you'll you'll be a part of the, the best of episode, which would be awesome to include as many people as possible. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a, it was a great year, so it's... it's yeah, I'm it's actually excited be, to I know, hear some, be like, interesting, some yeah, movies right. that either maybe I never even heard of or saw. Mm-hmm. I mean, there mm-hmm. was a couple last year that we were like, okay, that's a good choice, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but not John's. It was somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but yeah, guys, please, please participate, and uh, you know, it'd be great to, to involve you. That That's... That's really cool, and I hope people actually do it. You better yeah. participate. Yeah. Um, so, Gangster Squad, recap it real quick. Yeah. In theaters now, wide. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty, in theaters now, wide. Um, Oscar, Oscar nominations snubs. are up there. Oscar if you have any feedback on that, feel free to email us, moviesmovie at gmail.com. Hit up the moviesmovie.net site. Um, I'm sure we'll be posting some more uh, you know, trailers and articles about the Oscars over the next couple of weeks, so we'd love to hear some feedback there. Um, do you guys have anything else that you want to throw down real quick? Um, I'm waiting for Ronald's. I, I should never throw that out there. Yeah, John. I know you said last I, I, time. I take it back. Lesson. Yeah, just, take it let's, back. Let's get in and out. Yeah, yeah. Rewind that real quick. Let me. Let me think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Save it for next episode. Yeah, save it for next. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> Go get some ice cream, kid. Go get some pad thai. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, um, feel free to hit us up in any of the avenues that we've provided, and uh, we can't wait to talk to you next week when we talk about the best films of 2012. Oh yeah, I'm excited. Thanks mm-hmm. for listening, guys, and as always, you've made our day. Bye.